Hey listener, we're delighted you're joining us today. Today's guest is Arechan, the creator of the hit romance comic we all loved and enjoyed, Luff, and her new comic, Senorita Cometa, a more serious story about a girl living in a corrupt and crime-ridden Latin America that decides to take matters into her own hands by becoming a phantom thief. We cover meaty topics such as her backstory for becoming a comic creator, her entire journey creating Luff, starting from originating the idea at a stoplight to recently concluding with over a million subscribers and tackling a more serious and personal topic through her new comic. We certainly enjoy the talk with Arechan and hope you enjoy it too. Hey Arechan, how are you? Hi, hi Akil. It was nice to meet you. It is great to meet you as well, and I want to dive right in. You have a lot of comics to talk about, uh, and your work is amazing. I'm such a huge fan. So let's get started. Why don't you tell everyone a little bit uh, about yourself? Well, <laughs> thank you. Um, hi, my name's Arechan. Well, that's my pen name. My pen name's Arechan, and I make webtoons. I've been making webtoons for about almost seven years now, since 2015, yes. and um, I love telling stories. I'm from Mexico originally, but I'm living in the United States right now. What got you into making comics? I've always liked, liked making comics. Like before I knew how to write, I was already drawing comics. And I remember that I gave them to my parents so that they could read them, but they there were no dialogues because I couldn't I couldn't write. And there were just silly comics like about Joshi and my plushies having adventures. And <laughs> so it's always been a part of me, right? Like I've been making comics for myself and for my friends and like just like making stories up and like I I feel like <laughs> I feel like I started drawing because I am not as good as communicating like with words. So I feel like I have to tell stories to tell my point. <laughs> so when you started making these comics for yourself, how old were you? I think I was about three. Like my, my oldest comics were like, I was three. Like literally my parents still have them. <laughs> I there have like kindergarten style uh, notebooks that I filled like cover to cover with like comics just like panels and panels of comics like Yoshi riding around playing with my plushy hippo and me and my sister being queens and stuff like that <laughs> so I it's like I haven't been doing, doing it professionally for so long but like for myself as a hobby it's been since before I could write <laughs> and what comics or animation inspired you as a kid that made you fall in love with the art form even more well, um, I grew up in Mexico, and in Mexico we had a, like in in on the free TV, right? Like we had a lot of anime playing, like a lot of it, and there's like a lot of really old anime also. So there were things like like um, Candy Candy, which is like a drama, and like there were very like very dramatic stories. One of one thing I remember very clearly is that Mexico didn't have as heavy censoring censorship as as they do here in the United States. So I was a child and I was watching like Ranma one half and like <laughs> like just bunny girls groping each other <laughs> or like Sailor Moon. They didn't like change 
uh, Haruka and Michiru from being lovers. They were lovers in Mexico. And I, I remember I, I grew up thinking that was like uh, really cool. And Haruka was like a big like, girl crush for everyone I knew. <laughs> so all those like, all that style, right? Like I, I could tell the difference between like nor American cartoons and like Japanese cartoons in the in the sense that Japanese cartoons did not speak down to me. Like they treated me as I as if I was an intelligent person. I say as if because I I am not very smart even to this day. <laughs> but um, and I like that. I remember that I started hovering to towards those stories, and um, for the longest time since they were like in free TV. A lot of people around me grew with that art style too. So like Dragon Ball Z is so mainstream in Mexico, for example, or like Sailor Moon is so mainstream. Um, Pokemon, all those, all those, um, all those, all those classic series, right? And even not so main, like series that are not so classic or so famous were big over there because they were just licensing everything and they were just like showing it on the screen so there was like a dragon quest anime that that i watched there was like uh there was a a horror anime about like a teacher that had a demon hand there were like like a sexy ghostbuster girl named mikami there were so many like violent or sexy stuff like <laughs> but like i was drawn to the to to those things because i i was drawn to the complicated characters the complex characters right like the complex stories the complex problems and like these cartoons weren't speaking down to me so i started trying to like mimicking that 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 style of abstraction rather than mimicking like the cartoonish uh, style which with which i was drawing before when i was a child <laughs> so i started drawing a little bit like like sailor moon right so and then i started grabbing a little bit of like I remember that a big influence was like Metabots, Metarot, I think it is in Japanese. Um, and many, many, many series like that were like slowly um, feeding my style to draw, right? And then I just became like the, 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 the kid that draws. <laughs> and I started like, my sister used to read uh, DC comics and Marvel comics. So I would, she would lend me some of her comics too. And I, I would just like grab a little bit here and there. And um, I would say like one of the, of the things that most influenced me to like, kind of like solidify what will be, what would become my style it was surprisingly enough uh the disney movie atlantis <laughs> because i was fascinated by how everyone how every character was like a different shape a different face shape a different like height a different build and i was like oh my gosh i want to do that <laughs> and so i started like slowly going towards that as much as my love for the anime aesthetic left me right so i would say I would say Japanese and American media did make like the, the melting pot that it's my style, but mainly, mainly Japanese style, I, I would say, like old Japanese style. So you first, you know, you were making your own comics and then you got started on Webtoon in 2015. What uh, made you discover Webtoon as like a platform for you to post your comics to? 
I used to read a lot of web web comics, and you know, back then, it was like you should you would find them on their own site, and you would have to like check check the site constantly to see if there was a new update and stuff. And and even so, I was still like, oh, I want to make. I want to make a web comic, right? And I was like, I'm going to buy a domain and I'm going to put the pages and blah, blah, blah. And, and I had this story that I wanted to make that was Faust. And I was like, just procrastinating, and right? I was like, yeah, I'll start it tomorrow, next week, next month, after this, after that. I was just procrastinating completely. And then I remember that I got an ad for Webtoon that was like, hey, you can upload your webcomic to this platform for free. And it's, it got a, it's got a community so and, and users, so there's already like eyes on it, as to say something. And right there, I was like between jobs and I, I, was, I was like, mm, I think I have the time. This might be a sign. I'm gonna give it, I'm gonna give it a try. Like I, I had just moved to the United States and I was waiting for my, my work permit so I couldn't legally work until I got it and that was like six months <laughs> so I was like okay I'm gonna I'm gonna do this webcomic until I get my work permit and then I will move on <laughs> I will see how it goes and so I started posting Faust to back then it was called the challenge league <laughs> but now it's like canvas right and it was okay, and in that back then I did check a lot, like to see what the reactions were. But but then I learned that it didn't help me with my productivity. <laughs> so I I I just I loved it, right? Like the 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 comment feedback, the like the reader feedback, everything. And my my permit, I got my permit, and I was like, well, I think this is it. I'm going to have to like work on it around whatever job I find, but I'm going to focus on finding a job now. And that same night, I got an email <laughs> from the head of content who was like, hey, do you want to be a, an original creator? <laughs> I was like, well, I just found my job. <laughs> and the rest is history. <laughs> what was it like uh, producing your first Webtoon original? It was really interesting because I was pushed to 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 limits that I didn't think I could do I thought that I could only produce like 15 panels at most per week I thought that that's what, what was going to to be like my productivity and stuff because that's kind of like what it was when I was posting it to the challenge league right but then when I spoke to the head of content, he was like, oh, yeah, by the way, we're going to need you to triple your panel count for every update every week. So I was like, oh, my gosh, <laughs> how am I going to do this? So I had to learn a little bit of SketchUp to help out with the background. I, I had to stay up nights. <laughs> I had to, like, learn to compromise because I... I'm very much a perfectionist, which is kind of what was like um, impeding me from starting Faust back before Webtoon. The, the, the thought of, oh, I'll start when I'm better. Like I'll draw this when I get better at drawing this and that and that. And um, I, I just learned that you have to create to the best of your, your current capacity 
so that you can push yourself to your next level. So that was like, that was something that was really hard for me to grasp because I would, I would think, oh, I have to go on uh, until it's like with this drawing until it's perfect or the closest to perfect that I can get it. And now that I had a deadline, it was more like I can't spend two hours in a drawing. I have to move on. And so it really did help me with that uh, done, like not perfect, done, better done than perfect, right? So how much of the story of Faust was done when they approached you? I had a lot planned, but not enough. <laughs> not enough. I had like, because Faust was like a wish per day. And I had like a, a, a faint idea of where I wanted to take the story. But uh, it was very much thinking like four steps ahead, right? So it was like, he's going to wish this. So this happens. So he can wish this. So this happens. So they can go here. So I wish I had gone with the approach that I have taken now with Love and Senorita Cometa, which is that I have them all figured out uh, up to the end right now. But back then with Faust, it was like like riding a train while building the rails. <laughs> it's, it was insane. Just like thinking about it and like the deadlines. And I, I remember I did not have much buffer I had like three episodes of buffer so I couldn't take longer to sit down and think like where is this going now and I'm honestly surprised that I was able to like take it to 120 episodes like that is that's long I'm surprised that I was able to take it so long but yeah so the general gist of the story I kind of had but I did not have down as much as I would have liked <laughs> So you finished Faust in 2018. From there, what was it like for you to get Luff off the ground? First, I had to like think if I wanted to continue to make comics because making comics is very time consuming, right? And it's also very lonely because you're working all day, every day. So you don't go out much. <laughs> um, so I was like, oh, I wonder if this is what I want to do. If this is like what I what I what I want my life to be for the next time. So um, after thinking it a little bit, I was like, yeah, I like to tell stories. I want if I have the opportunity, I'm gonna do it. So I had the idea for love um, also stored like in my head, like I already had it, and I was like, I'm gonna pitch it, and it's gonna be a short story. That's what I told myself. It's gonna be short. It's gonna be sweet <laughs> and I'm gonna be in and out baby just like dipping into a pool just in and out um so I built my pitch and I sent it to to webtoon and they were like yes let's make it and I was like okay um it's gonna be 50 episodes long and that's it and so when I started like when when it came out uh webtoon and we were like in episode 20 or something webtoon approached me like hey what if we do like 25 more? <laughs> and I was like, okay. And then when the day approached, it was like, hey, what if we make like 20 more? <laughs> so my plan to be like in and out uh, didn't, <laughs> didn't quite work. But I, I do enjoy like telling stories, right? I enjoy it a lot. So the process between Faust and Love was very much a process of like, if, am I going to do this 
big time energy sacrifice for something I love? And the answer was yes. Yes, it's worth it to like put your your time and your your life in drawings and just like say it. If that's if that's your passion, of course. Right. I'm not saying that everybody should do it because this is absolutely not for everyone. I've seen the 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 how hard it can be for some people to be like, I can't go out with my friends for drinks anymore because I have a deadline or like stuff like that. Right. Like, oh, this episode is not doesn't look the way I would want to. And that is killing me inside. And like it's it's hard. Right. So I, it's not like I would say to everybody, hey, everyone, drop your jobs. I'm like, but, but you should, like, if you, if you think you like making comics, you should absolutely do it and just see how it is, how, how you like it. Start with something small. I know you have, you, we all have those stories that, like, we have been holding since we were teens. <laughs> and it has, like, a thousand characters and a thousand episodes. But start with something small and test the waters and see and like and think do i want to be doing this really like the sacrifices thing and if you if the answer is yes then go ahead that's what i learned between faust and luff that i do like doing this <laughs> and for luff did you come up with the world and the concept first of the luff score or did you do the characters i i did the world building first like it was it was very funny because the idea i got it like I was I was in a <laughs> I was in a red light and it was a particularly long red light and I, I I am a good girl I did not get on my phone I was looking at my hands <laughs> because what else can you do <laughs> literally I had nothing to do waiting in this red light so I was looking at my hands and I started imagining like a little car running from one one hand to the other like using the fingerprint as a as a road and I I noticed that like my fingerprints between the pinkies didn't match and I was like how cool would it how cool would it be that like you and your soulmate's fingerprints actually like match like like if you put your hands together it's like they were meant to like click like pieces of a puzzle and then I was like oh that's really cool <laughs> and I just <laughs> stored that idea in my head but when when we finished fast when and 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 I was like I don't know if I want to do another comic and then I was like yeah I'm gonna do it um I I went with my husband to my favorite tea house and we started just like doing the whole work like okay so how do divorces work like oh yeah I think it should work like bankruptcy right like maybe if the divorce is like this and we just went ham with all this like ifs and ands like how do you think like like uh scholarships work and how do you think and all those things right so we we just had a lot of fun with the world building and then we were like Okay, but what if this? What if there was a character that this happened and this other thing happened? Because, like, for example, let's say um, Lily, the character of Lily, is based in the whole. Because I'm I'm from Mexico and my husband's from Venezuela. So if we lived, I mean, if I lived in Toloa, I would have been matched with someone else, <laughs> I, because he is in a in a different country and hence outside of the system, right? So I was like, so what happens when your soulmate is in a different country? And that's like part of where we went with it, right? Or like, what happens when like, uh, like heteronormity, uh, heteronormativeness, 
uh, I don't know what the word is. I'm sorry, I speak Spanish. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like the rule, right? Yeah. Because like um for like for example, for for the longest time, um I I thought that I was straight. <laughs> and then I and I fell in love with my husband, and you would say, like, how is that not straight? Because I I he was like he uh, hid his gender from everything online and we met online and I thought he was a girl I straight up thought he was a girl because <laughs> he has a really cute art style and he has a really cute way of messaging and I was like okay I'm in love with a girl wow this is this is shaking my world okay and then it was like oh hey, guess what I'm a guy and I was like okay this changes nothing and then I was like oh I guess I'm I'm demisexual. <laughs> then I was like, well, what if we make like a demisexual character? And then like Daniel was like, oh, okay, like he likes girls, but he could have also liked Julian, like, oh, because you know, he falls in love with the person rather than like the gender. That that's super interesting. And there's a lot of those themes that you talk through. So, you know, sexuality is is one theme that you talk about a lot in love. Why was it such an important thing for you to talk about in your comic? I think it's because like I I don't I don't have like too many experience. I feel like I got to this party late, right? I feel like I'm doing a lot of these discoveries like late because <laughs> I only found out that I was like in the in the in the asexual spectrum. I think it's semisexuality once I met my now husband. But it was like when I when I met him and it, and it turned out that he was a guy and everything. I did like a sigh of relief that I was like, oh, my family is going to approve this. Society is going to, I'm not going to lose any friends because I'm from a very conservative family, very conservative, very religious family. So um, I was like, oh, this is like, this sucks. We should, (laughs) we should be able to talk about like how societal expectations even dictate the way that you present your sexuality, which is something that I put in with Lily again when she registered as bisexual but she was actually just gay right she was just lesbian but she registered as bisexual to have a bigger pool and to get a better match and she got a like a male match with Mauricio and like but she wasn't happy with it but it was like what what the world was expecting of her she they were expecting not a guy but like a high um high score right so it, it was like, it's, it's more like about like the societal, that, that, that shock that I had, right? Like I, that I felt like that I, I was shocked that I sighed of relief when I was like, oh, he's a guy, my family's not going to hate me <laughs> because like my feelings did not change when, when, when he finally revealed to me like, oh, guess what? I'm sorry, but you really think I'm a girl, I'm a guy. And I, I hope that doesn't change anything. And I was like, oh, oh, I was like, oh what a relief <laughs> and that was like oh no why did that happen I need to I need to tell somebody about this <laughs> another theme that you talk about is your socioeconomic status your class and that how, how that affects your outcomes or your opportunities in life why was that another theme that you decided to talk about in love I learned firsthand when people say that privilege is invisible to the people who are privileged. Because I, when I grew up, I just didn't think anything about my family situation at all. 
Uh, both my parents are doctors and turns out that I grew up with a little bit of money <laughs> but to me it was just like normal right to me it was normal to travel around the country to come to the United States for shopping sprees and stuff like that I was like yeah whatever and um, then when I started like talking with my now husband uh, his, he grew up uh, in quite the opposite situation. So hearing him talk about how he could only, for example, um, arepas, which is Venezuelan food, he could like not have everything he wanted when he was a child or stuff like that. And that made me realize how things, like how privilege is really invisible to like when you grow privileged right like I never went hungry once and I had to hear like stories about how you have to go to sleep early because there's no food for dinner so you, you can't you just sleep your hunger off until you can get like your school lunch <laughs> and it's like once again I, I was just like I need to tell someone about this and I, I just tend to ramble on and to talk in like going a lot of tangents and it, this is like my my real life experience so I feel like I can only tackle like specific subjects when I'm like making a story like making a comic even if it's like for my friends only or like I, uh, I I just feel like I need to put it down in paper and be like this is what I mean like even even sometimes when I'm talking and I'm trying to like explain a point, <laughs> talking with someone and trying to explain a point, I will just make up a tiny story on the spot. Like, oh yeah, like imagine if you did this and this happened and that, that's what I mean, that kind of stuff. Uh, so, so when I was met with that situation, I was like, well, that, that sucks. Like comparing my money privilege versus my husband's lack of lack thereof was something that I had really in my brain then when we talked about love like how how is this going to, to affect education or like uh access to like like re economic resources and stuff like that right so this all became like because when when I when I discovered that I was privileged I was like immediately I wanted to anal analyze like where does this privilege come from? Like, where did this money come from? How did we get money? And he didn't. And so that kind of like, and also it's like very, very pronounced. This is a very pronounced phenomenon in, in Mexico, right? Like you can see it in Mexico City. It's like, you can walk one block and it looks like, like New York and then you like Manhattan, I should say. And then you turn the corner and it looks like, I don't know, like Haiti. And it's like, it's in the same, it's in the same area, but uh, the contrast is impressive. And, or, or things like you see um, skyscrapers <laughs> next to like one story houses. And that kind of contrast, I love that kind of contrast. And I, I love to tackle it as part of like the Latin American experience, because I'm, I'm pretty sure it's not unique to Mexico, right? Like many of the things, that I, I've lived, um, my husband has also contributed a lot uh, like with his contrasting stories and many we share and many we are separate. And I'm like, wow, the whole of Latin American is like this, huh? <laughs> this webtoon is available in both English and Spanish. How did you make sure that the story came through in both languages? Oh, I could, I couldn't do it. I, I, the, the Spanish uh, translation is not like, it's not on my hands. 
I wish it had been because I would have, I put so many subtleties that I, I was like, oh, I wish they pick up on this. But I think like the translation team might be like second generation, maybe like speakers that missed a couple of things here and there. It's better now. I've, I've seen the, the translations now and it, it, it sounds more like, you know, like, they, they are a little bit more cult culturally attuned, more than just like the language. Because Spanish is like, Spanish is insane. You can speak the same Spanish you speak in Mexico and like Argentina. You Like people are not gonna be like, it happens with me and my husband. We live together and sometimes we have to switch to English to understand what we're saying to each other because <laughs> sometimes it's not the same Spanish. So there was like a lot of subtleties that were kind of lost, but but I still loved it anyway. I love I love that I was able to share it like with the people of my mother tongue. Are you were you surprised at all by the reception that Luff got given how successful and popular it was? <laughs> I was so surprised. Like I like to I like to create with my back turned to the world so that I can just focus on making stuff and telling a story and having fun. So when when people started like coming to my Instagram, for example, like my Instagram was a, like at the certain place that I just posted drawings of my characters because I was having fun. And then people started coming and then people started sending me DMs and I was like, whoa, whoa, what's going on? <laughs> and it, it's, it was so surprising. I was like, I couldn't believe it. Honestly, I couldn't believe it. I'm really happy that it found a lot of people and I, I'm really happy whenever like someone sends me a DM and tells me, oh, this story helped me a lot through this and that. And I, I feel it's such it's so mind blowing. It's such a privilege. It's like, wow, I can't believe that I like this person that who I don't know um, just took the time to read what I had to say. And they actually took something from it and they they, they had fun with it or they, it helped them. It's, it feels surreal. It's like, it's like the most insane privilege. It's so, it makes me so happy whenever I listen to any of that. So you worked with an editor named Eunice on the webtoon. What was it like to have an editor and what did they help with? So the first time I worked with Eunice, which was in, which was in love, um, was it was very surprising right because before with faust it was a little hands-off and uh that's fine like i i had my creative liberty i want to say and then i when i got an editor it was like getting a third person to like plan the whole thing right it was like getting a third chef in the kitchen because <laughs> it's always me and I run everything through my husband and my husband gives me ideas and stuff so that's cook number two and then unis came came to the picture and um I I at first I felt I would say like the first two days I would I was like oh I don't know I don't know if I like this because I used I was used to having just like whatever I, I wanted to do, I did. Um, but she she's very kind. She respects my vision a lot. And everything she always like suggested, it's always like making, it's always making the story better in ways that maybe that I, I'm failing to see. You know, like 
it, it feels like I have my nose in this painting that I'm making and I'm painting a detail and she's standing like three meter, meters behind and she's like, hey, you're missing this other point over here. And I'm like, all right, you're right. And so I have to like pull back and move and change things and like fix them, tweak them. Like she has such good ideas. For example, like originally Daniel didn't have a pet. I was I was just gonna make him like focus on the doggies and everything like the the shelter, but he didn't have like a pet for himself. And she was like, I think I think he should have a pet because it just it would make sense in his character if he likes animals that he would have one for himself. And so we went like she wanted like a dog, and I was like, I don't know, he's bougie, his mom is bougie. I think they would have something expensive. <laughs> we were like going like, oh, what should it be? But it shouldn't be too illegal. <laughs> and so we ended we ended up with Ara, the the blue, the hyacinth macaw. And um, it, it was it was thanks to her that Ara exists at all, which is like, wow, like, it's big because, I mean, he, she is big part of his character, of his like, of his love, like he's the episode about his birthday, which is also when he got Ara, so it's Ara's birthday. Um, <laughs> it's like very pivotal in the story and his character and a lot of people have redrawn that one panel where he's like so surprised after opening the door and seeing B with the cake. And so I'm, I'm really happy. We wouldn't be able to have that episode without Eunice. And uh, it's the same with Senorita Cometa. There are a couple of things that I have to tell her like, oh, this actually happens in Latin America, so we should keep it. Um, it's minimal things like, for example, um, in love that uh scene where that plot point where her uh b's picture is shown in like a tabloid and she's like straight up naked <laughs> my my editor was like i don't know this is like newspapers and tabloids are kind of like old technology and i was like no no that's like super alive in latin america like and and you see the tabloids with the naked ladies like uh, on the front everywhere like on a corner a street corner like if you stop your car on a red light someone with a tabloid will walk between the cars like hey do you want a naked lady <laughs> so stuff like that right but this is just minimum stuff i almost always take her advice except when it's like a cultural thing like that right like she is she is very um She's very kind with her edits, so it never she never makes me feel like I'm doing anything wrong. And she's always very gentle with her brushes. And she is always looking out for me. It's it's a gem having an editor. It's like having an ally inside the company, right? Because sometimes when you're working in a company, you can feel a little bit like isolated from them, like like you're you're you and the company is there. But like Eunice is like an ally for me. Let's talk about Senorita Cometa a little bit. You're now on your third project, your third original. What was it like to create this one? And what sort of themes did you want to go after? It's super early. I think you have nine episodes out or something. Yeah, well, I, I actually have 25 drawn. <laughs> the nine are out, but there are already 25 drawn. So... I, I am I and I am ahead. I'm ahead of the game this time. I'm not having another Faust happen. <laughs> Senorita Cometa was again another another struggle between love and Senorita Cometa, the same one. It was like, 
do I want to continue doing this? Because <laughs> it's a lot of work. And this time it wasn't like the work kind of like what was stopping me because I already knew and I, I, I knew better things like how to streamline more my processes or like how to build better and sketch up for the backgrounds and stuff. Um, so I was ready, right, for the workload. But the thing that I was like, I was like, should I make another comic? I really love this. But I wanna, I wanna start a family, <laughs> and I'm not gonna be able to have a baby and draw a webtoon. It's not just not gonna happen. Like a baby, very time consuming. Webtoon, very time consuming. Only 24 hours in a day. Um, so I, I, I was thinking about it a lot, and um, it the same thing happened again. I was like, it's just gonna be a short story, like a dip and out i'm just gonna make it a really short story and um it like the i think the thing that pushed me to like that gave me the the final like light push in my back was um seeing how and this is gonna get a little serious uh but seeing um all the protests from like the feminist protests in like latin america for like um, Women's Day, International Women's Day, it's become a little bit more of a repeat thing through the, these years that there are uh, protests because in Mexico, there is a lot of um, femicides, which are just like women being killed and people going impugned, like people just going unpunished. And, um, there is there are a lot of stories that you would just like you would think that they are it can't be possible like that people can't be that shameless or like that the authorities can't be doing nothing right and like senorita cometa had grown from from something very different to it was like against like um the industrial complex <laughs> And it became more about, like it had become more through the years through, through lived experiences about, um, about women, right? About violence against women and like the lack of justice for, for them. So it was kind of like a, it's like a catharsis, right? Like, a, like, a, like I can get justice around me, but I can get justice here in this make-believe world where I make the rules. And I had that story life for me and for a friend, right? Me and my friend, she was like the only one I, I showed like drawings and the comic and everything that I was making. And, and when I started seeing the, the protests, like I, I, I thought maybe there's someone out there that also needs this feeling of catharsis, this feeling of of the bad guys finally will get punished. Like of someone is doing something, someone cares. And so I was like, okay, I think, I think somebody out there might need to hear this story. I'm gonna, I'm gonna put it out. I'm gonna draw this and show this message. So it, it was a little bit hard when, um, when I was like, pitching it to my editor right because they were like oh love triangles work really well and a romance story works really well 
And I told my editor like, well, this, yeah, it is. And I did have like a comedy romance story that I could pitch them to if, if they didn't want to make Cometa. Um, but when I told my editor like what Cometa was about and why, she was like, I think this is the most important, the more important story of two and we should do this one. Well, I know it's a serious topic, but one, appreciate you sharing a little bit about what's happening around the world. Um, really unfortunate stuff to hear, um, but more importantly, thank you for making your story because without you shedding a little bit of light on it, you know, it's it's something that call, that you are using to call attention to an important problem. And like you said, I'm sure it's very cathartic to people who are dealing with this more directly. So appreciate you uh, continuing to make your comic throughout all this. Thank you. Yeah, I, 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 it's hard to like thread the line because I don't want it to be exploitative and I don't want it to feel like it's trying to get like any clout from the movement. So I've, I've had to be, I have had to be really subtle with it, right? So like, for example, like the color of the protests, like it's the official color is like purple and, and green, like lime green. So I, I make the night sky purple without stars, without like anything. And like, I make the sound effects um, like, like neon green. Right. And and I was happy to see that some people did catch up on it, that they were like, oh, my God, the purple is a reference to the 8M, uh, the 8M, because it's like the, the, the unofficial name of the of the marches uh, for because of the 8M movement. That's so cool. It's, it's like a wink to it. And I'm like, I'm so happy. Honestly, I'm so happy that people got it. And I'm I, I hope the people who read it will have a little bit of that like relief that they need. You have a massive social media presence. You have over 30,000 followers, which is huge for a webcomic artists. Why do you think your uh, Instagram is so successful? <laughs> the kindness of people and luck. <laughs> I think with, with, um, with social media, it's very much luck. I think years ago, it used to be like, oh, when you post at this time and you post with this many characters and you use these hashtags, but nowadays, like the algorithm is constantly changing. And I understand because like social media changes it so that people won't be able to abuse it, like kind of like won't make like uh, spammy farm content -y kind of content, stuff like that. And I, I understand and that they keep like on the wraps, whatever works. So, so my Instagram is just vibes. Like, <laughs> it's just like, I'm going to post whatever I want. And here it is. I'm sharing it with you, my friends. So I think people were able to resonate with that sometimes. Like, oh, I like this character. And oh, you drew him as a bunny cup. Oh, that's amazing. I love it. Thank you. And they follow. And I'm like, Thank you for following. That's mighty kind of you. <laughs> We're just here for fun. We're just here for vibes. <laughs> you also have a Twitch um, and you live stream games. You draw on there. Um, and I noticed a reference where uh, you use your Twitch avatar in Senorita Cometa as well. Uh, what got you onto Twitch and why is that another place for you to engage with your fans? Okay, so this is really fun because this started in the comic, right? Um, Lottie is Lottie is the VTuber avatar. Avatar is a very important character in in Senorita Cometa, 
she has a very important purpose and I can't go into spoiler territory, but they're like, um, I started like researching situations like hers a little bit. And then I, I have a friend who is like very much into um, the politics and like so in social media in, in Spanish. And um, I remember I was like, there was like a lot of the same kind of content that you would find um, in English, right? Like a dude with a microphone in like with a green screen talking with the chat or whatever. And then I saw one who had like a, a puppet. It, it was like a puppet of a rat in a red dress with big moves. <laughs> I was like, that's that's smart because you can say whatever you want if it's like a puppet it's not you like you're not in danger because like it's sad but one of the things that also happens in mexico a lot is that journalists get killed so fast thanks to like if they if they try to uncover something so i was like this this person with the rat puppet is actually so smart and um I thought, how can we do that also, but not like a puppet? And I was like, oh, VTubing. VTubing is basically puppets, but with anime girls. <laughs> so that's where I got the idea for like a, a, a politic comment, politics commentary Twitch channel, right? In the story. And so I was like, okay, I'm just gonna like design her and that's it. And And then we had the idea like, what if we actually make it a rig? <laughs> like, what if we actually make it like a, a model, right? So we looked around, we made a model, the best reliability, we got a rigger, and <laughs> and we we made like the 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 rig, right? With the excuse that whenever we would use her in the comic, we would just like load up V2 Studio and put her like moving and take screenshots, and those would be the panels, and it would save us work. <laughs> and then it was like what if we actually used her like what if we actually just like used the avatar avatar on twitch and like maybe connected with people maybe like maybe used it to talk about the episodes every friday that kind of thing and um in the end she became kind of like a side gig right and i say side gig because like we're small and this is this is mostly for me, since I'm like, <laughs> I'm such a workaholic and I love video games, but I'm the kind of workaholic that is like sitting on the t in front of the TV and I'm like, mm, I should be working right now. And <laughs> if I use Lottie, I can like fool my brain into thinking that it's work, but I'm actually playing video games and talking with my friends and <laughs> with some readers that also peek in. And it's like, it's a way to like, have fun uh i also said i also share the channel with with my husband sometimes you will see like if you go back you will see that he is like playing it, it, it all started because we needed like a, a certain number of hours to have in, in the channel so that we could add stuff i'm not pretty like savvy with twitch my husband is usually the one who does the stuff so i was like i don't i don't have time to like stream three to four days 
a week or something he was like okay I can do that and so he started using and then we share her like we share Lottie <laughs> it's really funny it's really funny it all started because because of because of the comic and it became work quote unquote <laughs> that's awesome uh before we move on to our rapid fire round oh you've been you know you've been making comics since you were three you've been on webtoon since 2015 what do you think the future of the webcomic industry holds I think there's there's already like a little bit of hints with it with webtoon adding like gifs in adding like music but I think it's going to become like slowly like more of a movement kind of thing right here's what I what I want what I want is like unionized studios (laughs) I just I don't want like freelancers doing the best they can and I don't want like clone people who who like have to do all the work I want people to join in together work like get an editor get a letter get a more more like traditional comics in that sense so that everybody can like do it and not think oh I can't go drinking tonight because I have to do like five people's job but I'm just one (laughs) so I want I what I'm wishing that it's that it's going to move towards is like studios right and it's people like this this um the 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 like Netflix and like all this the people the studios who make series uh, series and stuff are going to see this that this content is like very profitable like very like it reaches a lot of people and they're going to start making more content from it like adapting more content from it so that it's going to become like a bigger industry that it is right now and that's why I want like unionized studios <laughs> uh, because I really think digital is like the way to go. Like, don't get me wrong. I love holding like a, a volume. I have so many, like I have like three bookshelves just full of comics and manga <laughs> because I love like having it in my hand, but it's, sometimes it's harder for like unique stories to get into paper in like uh, unless it's like an independent and you get it in from like a a, a con or something right like it's harder it's not as mainstream you can't go to like a Barnes and Noble and find like everything you would find from an independent independent person like self-publishing and a con right uh, but like with web comics, like the internet is there for everybody. You can, you can just find a comic like, oh, I want a comic about a uh, you know, queer non-binary pirate. It, there, it's out there. It's out there, right? Like you can just find it. And, and the market is there. So it, I think it's going to become big. It's going to be big. It's going to have music. It's going to have a couple of animations here and there. There are going to be a lot of adaptations there's already like korea is ahead of us with all the the drama adaptations of webtoons it's it's big it's i think this is like just starting to like become more mainstream and that's what's gonna make it super big so i'm actually really excited the idea of independent studios is really interesting obviously back in the day a lot of the comics and the stories were owned by um Big publishers right think about like the golden era of like dc marvel 
now obviously webtoon is is giving a platform for people they they have some ownership in a lot of the originals but creators can still own things what do you think the trend is for the future do you think with independent studios and the internet there's going to be more independent work or is it going to be a blend or will we maybe shift shift back to big publishers coming back and buying things up i think i think big publishers are trying to adapt like we've seen like a couple of like vc like the batman family adventures for example on webtoon uh, or like there was also like a Star Wars webtoon. They're, they're like I think they are trying to adapt, but I do think that the future is it's more like independent creators. I think the like this story. I think people are tired of hearing the same stories over and over again, and it's it it's hard to say it because you know we all go to watch like the the fourth, fifth, sixth Spider-Man movie that <laughs> in recent memory, and we have a blast. But, you know, at some point, like, people want to see themselves, right? Like, people want to see, like, a story that they can be like, oh, I live that. I know what that's about. And I think that some that's something that an individual can give you, right? Because when you have, like, most of the time when you have, like, a... a a print editor or something like like an editorial house i want to say sometimes it it's like oh well this is not very um this is not very commercially acceptable for example or this is not going to be very popular and stuff and and they they have reasons to be scared of, of that because it's an investment right it's like printing and shipping and all that right it's their money and i understand that but like when it's like digital and it's independent, like what do you have to lose? Like time. <laughs> it's like it's just like oh, I read this and I didn't like it. I'm gonna stop. Yeah, you didn't like you didn't pay for it even thanks to like webtoon or like other social social media sites, right? So I think like the convenience, the specific stories the 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 type of of storytelling like i think all these new things like i think readers want them so i, I do think independent is the way that it's gonna go are you ready to move on to our rapid fire round yes which fictional character best describes your personality i would say the female lead in Hime, <laughs> which is like um quiet and nerdy and very focused on her on her work and then she finds a passion and a man who pushes her to her passion by embracing his feminine side that's a, that's my story <laughs> what three webtoons would you take with you on a desert island oh my gosh that one's so hard can i can i also do uh latin american webtoons? oh of, because I of course them. Okay, okay. So I'm gonna take Asterion from the Latin American side. I would take uh, Doble Detective Difunto. And also from the, oh, it's so hard from the Latin American side, I would also take Sulel. Uh, <laughs> well, only three, it's so hard. I wanna take them all. <laughs> okay. I can keep going, trust me. Well, you did good to just pick three. Um, if you could pick any creator to have dinner with, who would it be and why? I think. I think it would be Rosil from, uh, she is the main artist from Finding Wonderland and her art is dynamic and her colors are vibrant and it's like dynamic to a hell and back and it, the art is so heartfelt and I just, I'm, I just want to meet her, right? Like I bet her, like you can see her personality through the art and she seems lovely. What is your favorite scene from any webtoon? 
there are a lot that's going that come to mind uh from Asterion like uh, like I really like like the visual direction there's like one scene uh that I keep coming back to in my head where they're talking about the main antagonist who is like a rich capitalist guy like a junior kind of guy and um they're talking about the the life that he let, uh, lets the people see through magazines and like articles and stuff and who he really is and there's this amazing panel where it's like like you're ripping the page off and it's coming like every every layer it's coming until it's like the the actual face so you can see like the half tones and the the printing and like the texture of the page and everything and it's like uh, the his face back there and it's like oh i get i get chills just thinking about it such a good visual metaphor wow that is something i need to go check out right now uh and then the last question if you could hang out with one fictional character who would it be i think (laughs) i think i would love to hang out with link from breath of the wild like that one link (laughs) because like he's been through so much but also he's like so happy and bright and like a glutton and like just like how he loves having like this all this adventure and stuff and he's like so focused and loyal and like i would love to have an adventure with him (laughs) or just like share a meal over a fire right like that'd be so cool well listener please go check out Luff, Faust, and Senorita Cometa, and follow Arechan at Arechan GA on Instagram, and her link tree is there as well. Arechan, thank you so much for taking a bit of time to talk to us today. Thank you so much for having me. This was delightful. Thank you for joining us today. If you have any feedback or want to be featured as our next guest, please write to us at pixelsandpanelspod at gmail.com. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to subscribe, like, or give us a five-star rating. See you all next week.